They say that first impressions count, but what if people's impression of you is never who you actually are? I'm Gem Turner. I'm a three foot one, wheelchair using, disabled Yorkshire lass who's fascinated by people and human connection. This podcast will delve into the weird and wonderful interactions we all have every day, because I know we've all got those stories. I'll be interviewing some of my favourite people to find out their own unique experiences too, so hopefully we can all learn something together. So sit back, relax, if you can, and enjoy! So I'm Jessie, I'm an events manager, I sound like I'm doing a dating show, events <laughs> manager from London! <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of First Impressions. I just wanted to do a couple of disclaimers. One is that I had a bit of technical issues and you can unfortunately hear me breathing a little bit. Uh, got my mics mixed up and yeah, never mind. Uh, I hope it doesn't impact your listening too much. You might not have noticed if I didn't tell you, but we're to tell the truth on this uh, podcast. The second thing is that this episode does contain conversations around OCD and intrusive thoughts so I just want to highlight that to anybody um, that might want to know in advance. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening and enjoy. I run a page called Bigger Than My, so it's underscore Bigger Than My, that's the handle, uh, which talks about mental health experiences from a whole range of people and a sort of visual description right now um, hair is very, very greasy in plaits. Um, was blonde, but lockdown has sort of made it that blonde, is it? Blondie brown. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> got my big hoop earrings on, uh, glasses, and I'm getting my teeth straightened at the moment. So I'd say that's my, my key thing. That's exciting. <laughs> Visualiser, yeah. Let's me smile. <laughs> so usually to start the episode, I tell the guest my first impression of the guest oh I like that yeah I I did think that I was like oh I wonder if that's how it kicks off what I find fascinating about yourself is that when I met you so for the listeners who are listening um we met through can I say work yeah yeah so you invited me to an event around a panel talking about disability I think what what really impressed me was you come across as this like events organizer you feel I feel like you got your shit together like straight away you were just really friendly and approachable and when we got to know each other like after the the event and you showed me a page and talked about your experiences it was really interesting just to to see that you had a life obviously behind work yeah yeah yeah. and I was just amazed that you've got this whole amazing project around mental health you're doing amazing things which I'm sure we will talk about today but yeah I just wanted to start by saying that you know like you just come across as really warm and friendly and that yeah that's the thing like it and and I think it's actually often easier at work to just Mm. sort of it's like okay it's nine o'clock we're going to put this face on and then at five o'clock we're going to take it off. <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of 
yeah and, and, in, and in an events role it's quite easy to sort of go into work mode yeah. quite quickly yeah. um, and seem like you've got your shit together because you don't really have a choice yeah um and then it's yeah as you get to know people like we have yeah. um you realize that hopefully the, the friendliness isn't an act but the having my shit together yeah that's an act <laughs> yeah and like everybody we know has like it's just a natural human probably society pressures yeah this is the thing and it's like I'm not when we met in in a work environment it's just not something that I would say and and this is the messed up thing actually because I invited you to a work thing sort of expecting you to be vulnerable and open Mm. but on the sort of other end of it I wouldn't dream of it you know (laughs) it's like nope that's not my job you know I'm being professional we've got people here to talk about experiences but actually those people you're dealing with are probably yeah dealing with stuff too just wouldn't dare say it but look at you now you're on a podcast exactly you know we've come full circle anyway and you are being that person yeah in terms of like I I was gonna ask this at the end but actually this fits quite nicely how have you found that work expectation and and have you always kind of packed the two separately? So up until recently, it was all very separate. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm quite lucky. I've always worked for non-profit organisations, which mm. by nature tend to have a more inclusive, open environment. Yeah. Um, so it's not, you know, I've not worked for a big corporate machine before. Um, so I have always been around people that feel comfortable being themselves Mm. um but I never really opened up properly um about my mental health until yeah fairly recently I would say so I was sort of one of those people at work that would be all smiles and have it together and then sort of running off to the toilet to you know take deep breaths or whatever it might be um and sort of recently where I work now um, there's been a real drive for people to just be open and be themselves um, that paired with me just actually feeling a bit more comfortable as me um, has meant that yeah I can finally um, start to show who I really am <laughs> everyone's like terrified no but I can now yeah be be myself a little bit more yeah and that I think that takes time doesn't it no matter what your experiences are you never just suddenly show your true self at like a teenager onwards absolutely not so to give the backstory for everybody if you don't mind um can you tell us a little bit about when you first started to realize you had sort of mental health things going on yeah I think it's so difficult because you have to sort of retrospectively look back Mm. and find the clues because when you're seven eight that's probably when things are starting to show Mm. but you have no idea what is going on so sort of looking back to to that age um I was always doing things like I'm going to sound so bizarre, but sort of counting um, like syllables in sentences mm-hmm. um, to the point where, you know, if it wasn't a certain number, then I think something bad was going to happen. Um, and things like, you know, if a car was coming past me, I couldn't look at it because I think if I looked at the car, it would crash and things like that. 
um, and I just obviously was so young that I didn't know that that was a thing yeah. so for years and even now I'm just naturally counting syllables things have to be in a meticulous order mm. um and then I got to I had like a fairly normal childhood mm. um and sort of teenage years but this was always in the background mm. um but as you're growing up it's like you know I started to sort of express anxiety so I had these sort of um sort of obsessions and things and then going into my teenage years I was very anxious but again I was dramatic in inverted commas yeah. um, and hormonal in inverted commas um and no one at that time spoke about things like anxiety mm. um so I just sort of cracked on with it to be honest um and it wasn't until I got to university that things just got a little bit out of hand <laughs> in my own head again one of these things no one would have known um apart from close friends but when I was about 18 is that when you start uni 18 19 yeah yeah um I started having really vivid intrusive thoughts um about getting ill to the point where and again at this time didn't know what an intrusive thought was so I just thought that it was real um so I was thinking yeah I'm really ill um I was making up symptoms that I actually started to believe mm-hmm. um had this for a couple of years to the point where I sort of convinced myself that I might die um and it, it got really really serious mm-hmm. sort of went to the doctors um and they sort of reassured me but as like a campus doctor they're getting students coming in all the time you're on antidepressants and and you're on your way um and I just lived with that until I was about 25 um different illnesses sort of every year there'd be something different um and it just yeah it just got worse and worse and it it wasn't until I was working where I work now Mm. and I had a really good boss um that I just opened up to her and told her everything and she sort of encouraged me to go to therapy and that was the the start of the recovery I guess wow yeah but it took a long time (laughs) that is a long time I didn't realize it was work where you eventually seeked help yeah yeah it was a really long time it's it's weird to think that I just had no idea what it was or Mm. what was going on um was just really confusing experience for me yeah and did you ever like because I know when you're like with your friends and stuff like that did you ever say like oh I've just had this thought you know did it ever come up or never no so it's actually because even when I started getting help Mm -hmm. um they put it down to having anxiety and specifically health anxiety yeah um so I didn't know that it was OCD Mm. um, until about a year or two actually into therapy. I did a massive U-turn on the treatment that I was having. So even, I never ever sort of discussed the thoughts really. Mm. Um, But I I would say to friends, like, because I would have panic attacks sometimes Mm. um, or just feel overwhelmed. I would say, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed, but that's a little bit more socially acceptable than saying, I'm having an intrusive thought about death and I you know I think that I might die tonight 
it's like that really puts them down the wrong line. <laughs> like at the student union, everyone like, <laughs> so you just you just don't. Yeah, which is so like frustrating because I bet you will have friends who you would say that to and they would comfort you and say, okay, let's talk about it. But it's such a thing that we don't talk about enough. And like, this is one reason why I want to do this podcast is to talk about what would have been helpful, you know. So if we go back to your uni years, let's say, you know, what do you think might have been helpful? I think, I mean, the, it's probably worth saying the number one thing for me mm. um, was actually being told that I had OCD because yeah. it was like, not the light bulb went on, but something switched in my brain. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, that is it. That is what it is. I cannot believe it. Um, so I think for me, just having a bit of education around it, because yeah. I think at uni it's like, oh it's stress you know you're away from home you're writing a dissertation which which does obviously it makes it worse um but I had no I didn't know what OCD was I just thought it was like people that organize their towels in you know order of color if I'd have known yeah people just spoke about things more I would have felt way more comfortable um but we didn't yeah and there's, there's a weird stereotype isn't there about OCD and like I always remember, and it still, still is those jokes like, oh, I'm so OCD and it it really gets my back up because I do have friends who have OCD and it's not funny and, and I always say to, you know, the friends who do those jokes, say it's not the act of doing it, it's why you're doing it. You know, it's not just organising, is it? It's like, if I don't do this, then this will happen. That's it. And it's so frustrating, like when you see, and, and I'm always quite um, quite forgiving with stuff around language, purely yeah. because, I mean, we're on a podcast, so you can't see, but I'm a white woman, mm. I'm able-bodied, I don't yeah. experience um, prejudice on a day-to-day basis. Mm. So if someone says something about OCD, it's not something that immediate get, immediately gets my back up because... I haven't been worn down over so many years about it, you know, and mm. I can hide it if I want to. Yeah. But I think when you see things on TV, like Chloe Kardashian, like, oh my God, like my OCD, like I'm, you know, I'm so OCD, my house is so tidy. It's just like, <laughs> please stop because you've got about 300 million people watching this and that's what they think it is. And it's really, really not. It's, you know, and it's I'm not saying like get the violin out, but it's a painful, painful condition yeah. where your brain literally turns against you. Um, it's not having a tidy napkin drawer. <laughs> That's not what it is. <laughs> that education, you have to kind of seek it out yourself. So that's mm. why it's so important for, yeah, programs like the Kardashians, big popular culture. It's like, just educate through that because for some people that's the only thing that they're going to watch that's the only thing they're going to see mm. um and everything's wrong it's just yeah yeah so in terms of like allies and you know the good people around you is there anybody who you know as always or has, has just been a really good ally towards you and what kind of things have they done to support you yeah I think so I've got a couple of friends actually um that either have OCD so 
they've been diagnosed yeah. or they have intrusive thoughts and they're kind of at the start of that journey of working out what they are yeah um so I've got a few friends that I kind of spoke up first for some of them and they came to me and then others they were more open before I was mm-hmm. um and actually we just kind of have a laugh about the mad thoughts that we have yeah um, so kind of allyship for me with those people is just completely normalizing everything Mm. um and talking about it like you talk about the weather um or whatever it might be because getting it out in the open with people you can trust is the most beneficial thing that you can do um so yeah my ocd pals i don't know how we found each other to be honest it's like we, we were just friends anyway um but yeah, quite a few of us um, have been dealing with the same thing. And some of them I was at uni with. And it's like, oh, if we'd have just spoken about this at the time. Wow. Yeah, that that just shows you, doesn't it, how we're not there yet in terms of talking about it. Um, I definitely agree with community. Just to have, it's almost like that dark sense of humour that no one else could probably say. But when you're when you've got that lived experience, you know, I will call myself crip. But if someone else called me a crip, I'd be like, what did you just call me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It's like this sort of common understanding and respect between people with the same experience and is so vital. Definitely. And in um in terms of like family, did they sort of notice earlier on? Did you have to speak about it later in life? I very much tackled this on my own because mm. um, I'm just that's just how I am yeah um, and I think for my family they would again never have known about intrusive thoughts um, and because my OCD was kind of pure OCD mm. um, and the the compulsions weren't super obvious or they were mental compulsions they just wouldn't have known mm. um, but what they would have seen is kind of meltdowns panic attacks um, as a result of them so I think for them they probably always I, I am dramatic this is the thing I have to say I am dramatic but I also have OCD like <laughs> so I think for my family it's like it's just Jesse being Jesse <laughs> and it's like there is that yeah. but there's also you know something a bit more serious I think mm. my family are very um understanding But I guess as a generation thing, for them, they don't really know what OCD is. Um, So I don't openly speak about OCD, but I do sort of say, you know, my mental health's bad or Mm. I'm having a bad day. Um, But my brother, um, I'm very open with him because he has a had a mental health condition as well that he's now sort of getting through so he had depression for a long time um got really really serious and we kind of started opening up to each other um so yeah I'm very lucky in that respect that he sort of gets it and and I get him as well so yeah the generational thing definitely I think it's that education again in it of like I feel like intention is there so people want to learn you almost I don't think the owner should be on you Mm. to fully educate someone about what you're going through yeah actually that can be quite painful um and it's like you kind of want to tell someone what's going on and then they go off and 
you know, do the work. <laughs> yeah, and you want choices. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about more physical, but like you want choice, you want you know, one day you might really want to open up and chat about it. And then the next day you might just want to talk about snacks. Yeah, 100%. It's like, and I think it comes as well from sort of setting up this page. It's like, I'm really happy to be open about it, but it's not the only thing I chat about, you know? (laughs) And that's a topic actually that's come up in every single episode. And I'm fascinated by it because we're people we're not one-dimensional people that I just talk about wheelchairs and that's it like you know I've got all sorts about me which is not like a big-headed thing to say we're just human people with interests and passions and talents and it's frustrating when you it's that label isn't it you get labeled as somebody with OCD or somebody in a wheelchair and it's educating but educating that it's just one part here this is the thing I think we're at this kind of weird turning point at the moment where people are starting to be a little bit more accepting Mm. but we're not there with just making it part of everyday life it's like I just would love to get to a point where you could be at work and it's like oh how are you oh yeah I'm fine like had really bad intrusive thoughts over the weekend but you know it's what it is and move on but people would freak out like yeah. you have to be all or nothing you either have to sit on a panel or a podcast and talk about it or not talk about it at all yes that's so true yeah if like in terms of pain as well if I said it with my old job I'm all right but you know I broke my leg last week or whatever people would be like mm. yeah, yeah yeah it's almost like you have to comfort them yeah <laughs> when you're the one going through the pain and you're like but I'm okay don't worry about it like you know I go through this quite a lot and yeah yeah that is actually really true isn't it you kind of have to and then you you say something and then you have to backtrack but I'm fine now I don't have the intrusive thoughts as much now the the thoughts aren't real so I wish I never said anything (laughs) yeah and sometimes you can clock those people can't you where you start that conversation and you think you're not a safe person. Yeah. I need to reel this back. <laughs> Joe, please forget I've said everything. Please don't go to HR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. And it would be so nice just to be like, this is the situation. Don't worry about me. This is what I need. Back off. I remember the event that you were speaking at that I was working on. And there was another lady on the panel um, and she... I think, did she have ADHD? But she was talking about saying, if you were, you know, if you got to work and you just said, here's 10 things you need to know about me. Here's the way I like to work. It'd be so much easier. Yeah. We just don't, we don't do that yet. And would you say like now that you've, you've got the therapy side of things, you've got the good manager, do you feel like in terms of like routine and life cycles, you've got a plan for when things are good, when things are not so good. Yeah, I, I would say I have. I mean, the, the only thing with OCD is that it can, it will always lay dormant in your head. Yeah. So it's something that can 
you might not be affected by it for six months mm. and then something happens and before you know it it's completely out of control yeah um and I did actually have that in the summer where I was like oh my god like lockdown's been great for me I've really sorted myself out and then work got stressful and before I knew it it was completely spiraling out of control yeah um but even in the midst of it, being able to quickly check myself and say, no, this is OCD, remember? Remember what you learn. <laughs> um, you, you can get out of it. Yeah. I guess that the only thing is, is kind of, you know, you can do all of these things that you've learned, but mm. sometimes life and life's pressures just get in the way, mm. um, especially when things are really busy and really stressful. It can be really hard to sort of get back into a good mindset because you're snowed under or you're putting yourself under pressure um and I think that's where I'm not quite there yet yeah um yeah if I'm completely snowed under at work or, or whatever it might be mm. then I might struggle yeah but it's getting better yeah and like there's never an end goal is there it's like you just it's it's the treadmill and sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, like, it's up and down, and it? That's the thing, and I think that's one of the key things, actually, that I learned um, through therapy, but also through being quite disciplined with mindfulness, mm. um, is that you can't be scared of this thing that's in your head, because mm. it's there, it might always be there, mm. um, but trying to learn to actually live with it, for me so much more beneficial than trying to cure it because that's just not a thing um and once I learned that and tried not to run away from it 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 did become a lot easier yeah yeah and do you mind if I touch on like covid because when we were thinking about talking today I was thinking about you know how when covid happened I think we all kind of the panic scale went up didn't it and like we were all like not touching things or like thinking we've touched something and then we might have COVID. So in terms of the intrusive thoughts, I definitely wonder if we've all had a bit more empathy around what that feels. I'm not saying it's the same because it isn't. Um, but I just wondered for you, how was that when it first happened? Because I can imagine it was just like, oh, brilliant. There's this like deadly virus. Yeah. So weirdly, it's been quite a bit of a roller coaster. Because when it was sort of rising and when it first became a thing, I was quite logical about it. Yeah. And like everyone else, it was like, it's halfway across the world. Yeah. You know, we've been here before um it will be fine um but it was the pace at which it happened mm. that really sort of stressed me out and actually <laughs> it was almost like my brain was like I told you this would happen <laughs> yeah. I told you know I told you a virus would come and wipe everyone out and it was it was almost like I'd been preparing for this my whole life yeah um but in terms of kind of compulsions it was quite bad at the start yeah. because I was obsessing about getting it. Mm. Um, and it was like, you know, I, and, and with my OCD, I've never had compulsions where I obsessively clean. 
so that wasn't something that I've dealt with before yeah but it was kind of when I was going food shopping it was like scrubbing down everything when I unpacked it before I put it away and like putting my vegetables in boiling water to the point where they were basically boiled before I even chopped them (laughs) like all of this stuff I wouldn't say I don't know if that was a lot of people I knew were doing that Mm. um but for me it, it all got fine because it's like okay it's just me and my boyfriend in our flat mm. it's okay um you know he's 30 I'm 28 we should touch wood be okay if we get it mm. but then during COVID um my boyfriend's mum had an operation she has cancer right. and she lives on her own mm. and she needed um help with you know when she got home from the op it was a really serious operation mm. um so we were like well her so her son my boyfriend's mother mm. um, he was going to work he's a key worker yeah so we said you you know you can't be around her so we switched lives so he came to our flat and we yeah. went and lived with my boyfriend's mum mm. and that was when the thoughts were wild yeah it was like it was completely I, I think I got tested three times yeah. for n- absolutely no apparent reason. We didn't mm. leave the house. Um, you know, getting a sore throat, not being able to sleep because of it. It went from, you know, you've got a sore throat to you are a murderer. It was yeah. like there was no in between. Yeah. Um, and that was really hard. Um, it was like, what's the worst situation you could put someone with OCD in? <laughs> during a pandemic go and live with someone that's clinically memorable it's like oh my god um and because she was so relaxed about it and so grateful that we were there that sort of put me at ease but then it was as soon as you know you put your head on the pillow at night the thoughts were yeah wild I didn't believe the test results that I was getting um I assumed it was a false negative Mm. googling symptoms it was like yeah it was like throwback (laughs) <laughs> That's hard. I'm like, this is how I want and to also having now. to be um, yeah, um but, can I say yeah. carer or so like caregiver like she'd be like you were not yeah <laughs> or responsible you know for somebody else you've you're taking that on I suppose you're supporting your partner as well so there's a lot of roles that you're having to play as well as dealing with these thoughts when your head hits the pillow plumbing like, I mean yeah I'd love to say that I was really strong and managed to nip it in the bud um but I did what I wasn't supposed to do and I just buried it yeah um and then I think that's why I had the really bad spot in the summer yeah was because yeah I buried it because it was like you know you've got you've got something to do while you're here you're you're looking out for someone else just bury it um and then yeah which is which is never good um but this is what is so difficult about it because you can't apply logic to OCD and that's Mm. a a key thing you you just can't you can't rationalize your thoughts but how do you not rationalize something that is very real and is happening globally and it's on the news it's like but it is real Mm. so I, I you know it is there is logic to these thoughts because thousands of people are dying in the country that I live in every day um so it was really confusing situation um but a good test I always like to see it as kind of mental agility (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, to get through that, it's resilience, isn't it? You, you, you took on those thoughts, you, you know, buried them all, whatever you did, had to do, you survived it. Um, you know, and, and like you say, it's not gonna, it's not gonna go away, you just got to learn to take in those thoughts, let it simmer, and simmer away until it, it's, submit a bit again yeah exactly um and I'm sure the thoughts will surface again when things get back to normal um but it's okay I try and see every bad patch as yeah okay that's you know you're even stronger mm. and you're, you're ready for for more now so in terms of like coming out of um COVID you, you've actually talked a lot on uh bigger than my which we will promo and delve into next um but you have been very vocal about the fact that you know a lot of us are are worried about getting back out there it's not gonna be party on the 21st of june and bob's your uncle we're all happy again um so how are you feeling about getting back out there it's a weird one because on top of the joys of ocd Mm. um i also get quite bad social anxiety mm. um, which again is something that people are like no you don't I've never noticed that it's like because I'm in the toilet like <laughs> breathing into my back like, <laughs> but um for me it's more about that so I think the COVID stuff I'm okay with yeah because loved ones are getting vaccinated now um and I feel a lot safer knowing that mm. but I think it's it's the social side of things yeah. and being around large groups of people. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit stressed mm. thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but trying to build up that mental resilience before we get back out there yeah. so that I can enjoy it. Because I, I really think like we all deserve to enjoy it in whichever way we want to. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of everyone's time, whether that's yeah. like meeting one friend for a coffee or going to, I don't know, a rave, we all deserve it. Yeah. And it's just like, I really don't want my anxiety to ruin this. <laughs> this is it, and there's no rules, is there? Like, you don't have to, like you said, go to a nightclub and hug every single person you ever come into contact with. Like, it, it can just be, like you say, a coffee, or uh, it could be a walk in the back still that we can do now. Like, But, yeah, there's definitely an emphasis in there on like oh it's gonna be the wildest time and that's I think for me it's just about thinking you know if you I think June 21st is a Monday so I doubt I'll be out but whatever day I do (laughs) yeah it's like there will be other days if this doesn't go well yeah it's okay because there's gonna be you know there's years ahead of you to to have you know a good time yeah and so it's just about not putting so much pressure on it but it's hard especially when you know everyone's talking about that day in particular everybody's talking about what they want to do and even me is like I am I'd say I'm like 99% extrovert there is that 1% that I think wait a minute what if I don't fancy it or what if I'm really achy that day or you know like why I don't want to go out on the 21st yeah I know it's It's weird I try and kind of avoid Instagram yeah yeah wild yeah everyone being like 
here's my diet before June 21st. Here's this, that, and the other. It's like, oh God. And it's like, by the way, your friends that love you don't care about if you've had a lockdown blow up. It's it's such a weird concept that we've got to get ready for it and and, and change who we are. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah, especially in a global pandemic. Like, come on now. Speaking of social media, um, I wanted to touch on your amazing project, Bigger Than Mine. First of all, can you sort of tell us a little bit of why you started it and when and what brought it all up? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about it for ages, mm. um, purely because I sort of saw the impact when I was talking about what I was going through with friends and in sort of close circles, I really saw the impact that that had on other people that might be sort of at the beginning of their, I don't call it recovery, but it was, it had such an impact. And it was like, all I had to do to positively impact someone was just be honest about myself. It was like, yeah. oh, that's, that's easy. <laughs> um, and then I sort of made the page and then just bottled it every time. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go live. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And then it got into maybe when I started it, like August, September. Yeah. And I just thought, it's now or never. Yeah. Just do it. And and you don't, I think around the time I did it, it was, I think restrictions were getting stricter again. So I thought, well, I'm not gonna have to see anyone. Mm. So if, if it all goes wrong, <laughs> then I just pretend it never happened. But it's it's all around the concept of being I guess bigger than whatever you have going on Mm. and like we were saying it's not it doesn't define you as a person Mm. it's just a a small part of you Mm. um and I think something that's been major for me in kind of accepting who I am I guess is knowing that other people are going through similar stuff um and there weren't many resources when I was at you know my worst stage Mm. um but now there are quite a lot and it's just so helpful. And every time I post something, whether it's about my story or someone else's, um, I always get DMs saying, oh God, I thought I was the only one. No, this is so helpful. Um, and you think, yeah, it is worth it. Mm. It is just worth speaking up. Yeah. You get a buzz, don't you, when somebody comes forward and says, literally me too. And you're like, really? Yeah it's and you just wish that you'd had these conversations sooner um and a a big thing about the page is sharing it's not centered around my story so it's centered around lots of other people's stories um, and people can just see the diverse range of stuff that we're all battling on a day-to-day basis um yeah we've all got something going on i guess we have how did you how did you say hey everyone Got a new Instagram, because I can imagine that was, like, tough to do. Yeah, so I did it with my brother. Right. Um, he'd been a bit more open than me. So the year before, um, he had done, was it the year before? I think so. He'd done a marathon, mm. um, as you do, for the Samaritans, um, who he essentially called the Samaritans when he was on a platform edge um, yeah. a, a few years prior. Um, and they managed to talk him down I guess yeah and he had been quite open about that so he was already there yeah and we'd spoken about it for a while 
and we were like right let's just type up our stories and just like put them on instagram but we had no followers so we shared you know like you share the post in your story we shared yeah. it on our personal pages yeah um and yeah the reception was really good i mean if there was a negative perception i'm sure people just spoke about it privately and didn't <laughs> didn't let us know but very much doubt and if they did then i'm sure they have a great life <laughs> that's amazing though because I, I do think that first step is the hardest you know for anyone listening who has got that project that they've got in the head but they just don't do it or something's holding them back you know we both have had those projects and we know what it feels like to literally have our finger on publish in it it is because you just think what if it doesn't go well what if people judge me or but the point is it's not for them is it exactly and I always try to think on the flip side that and this isn't putting a down on your own story but Mm. what might be a massive thing for you is a millisecond of someone else's day so the people that it really impacts and the ones that send you a direct message you've had a great impact on on their day and and on their mental health whatever it might be Mm. but the ones that don't like it or you know don't comment or whatever they just scroll past it like can you remember how many things you've scrolled past in a day it is completely irrelevant so Mm. I think I always try and think if a post doesn't go well or something no one really cares (laughs) yes like it doesn't affect their day like it will do yours so there's always that yeah and I remember like even when I did mine for bigger than my you know I've shared so many things in my life but doing that was like oh you know like I felt sick I was like oh my god but what did I expect like I don't know what even I expected but sometimes it's just like opening yourself up and being vulnerable is the hardest part of the the journey isn't it yeah and I think we were probably used to drip feeding that vulnerable information but yeah. asking you to do a post is like can you put everything in writing in one place it's yeah like, really it's <laughs> quite that's quite a lot but yeah and another topic around you know building a platform and being an advocate that has come up a lot in these episodes is around burnout and you know that feeling of having the response no matter how many followers you know whether you've got 10 or whether you've got 10,000 that responsibility of being a voice um so how have you found that journey I think that's actually really hard um and and something around mental health is Mm. People love to talk about mental health mm. when you're having a good day. Yeah. When you're not having a good day, it's yeah. too much information and oh, actually, we really don't want to know. And I think we've spoken about this before. Mm. I'm not someone that will document how I'm feeling live yeah. because Instagram's not good for me yeah. um, when I'm feeling like that. So I might retrospectively touch on something I've been through, but I'm not there yet with sharing it in real time. Yeah. Um, so I think if I go quiet for a week, it's probably just because I'm burnt out or whatever. But it's weird that we feel like 
we have to announce why we've done it like why we've gone quiet or why we haven't posted when actually it's like sometimes it's just because I felt a bit rubbish but sometimes I just feel like I don't actually have anything to say (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just need to live and then you can post about what you've gone through yeah and I think for for me I guess I'm quite lucky because I'm doing this as a a project that, that I enjoy doing um so the followers it doesn't really matter to me um it, it's not important I, I'd rather and again something we've spoken about before I'd rather have you know a handful of people that are really engaged than thousands that aren't yeah um but it is relentless because if you don't post for a week then no one's going to see it because of no. the algorithm the next time you do post you're, you know, you're buried in in thousands of profiles. I'm so, so sorry for the sneeze. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, mm, hell no, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> but yeah, it's burnout is definitely it's real. Yeah, and the pressure, the pressure to, like you say, document and well, if I don't talk about it, then how can but that's not the point the point is it's your platform it's your choice you know I remember <clears throat> not so long ago I posted something and it was a little bit deeper because I've been waiting for my vaccine and that's been really stressful and not being seen and I put something about not feeling too great and I feel like I'm waiting all the time and it was funny the reaction that I got was, wow, that's deep, Gemma. Wow. Uh, you know, what's wrong? And But not empathetic. It was like, that's not like you. Which it, it just made me think like, we always say it's okay to not be okay and blah, blah, blah. But when you actually do put yourself out there, the reaction is, that's strange. Like, yeah. I totally agree. And I think we have this kind of people see mental health through a sort of wellness and self-care lens of Mm. um yeah you know self-love self-care like put yourself first but actually like bad mental health is not pretty and Mm. if if people saw the extent of it um I don't think we'd be so accepting um (laughs) I think people would be a bit freaked out if they saw me you know in a bad patch and if they knew the thoughts I was having mm-hmm. um so yeah we're not quite there no. with acceptance I don't think I think that's maybe why we don't have to document our bad days because you know that's our that's our choice that's our privacy and it's like I was saying that book I'm reading about boundaries would you open the door to somebody when you were having that thoughts and feelings you probably wouldn't unless it was like a really close family member so that's kind of what I treat Instagram a little bit Instagram is the worst place for me to be when I'm not in a good way so that gets disabled from my phone yeah and it gets enabled when I'm feeling better that yeah. just is what it is yeah and we've talked a lot about um WhatsApp as well haven't we about you well, com- communicating with friends in general um it can be really overwhelming can't it when you know everybody's getting in not not like I've got millions of friends that are constantly messaging um but that's difficult when you're constantly online 
and that expectation to be available. Um, have you found yourself sort of developing techniques to manage that a little bit? Yeah, I think WhatsApp is actually the most relentless. Because mm. um, remember when we used to text, it was like, it was normal that you wouldn't open a text until you were ready. Yeah. But I think with WhatsApp, it's like, if I don't open my WhatsApp, there's going to be 300 by mm. tomorrow because the group chat's, you know, going crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm quite lucky with my friends that we've sort of got a mutual understanding that, sorry if I don't text back but I'm just not in the mood um and we're quite open about saying yeah I'm not you know I'm having a no phone weekend or or whatever it might be um because yeah we need time to ourselves it's absolutely relentless especially in covid like you might get your friends sort of saying you know how have you been what have you been up to about you know a million questions and it's like I I can't (laughs) I'm sorry no I'm like, I've been in a global pandemic. I've literally been doing nothing. Yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> I had an egg and toast. It was great. <laughs> it was good. Then I had a tea. It's just, yeah, I think there's a lot of fatigue around it. It's, it's so relentless. I think yeah. a lot of us just can't even bring ourselves to, to open our phones at the moment. No. No, I'm definitely the same. And I think going forward, I'm definitely going to keep doing those boundaries. You know, like I've taken the red off my WhatsApp now. So stuff like that where you don't have to acknowledge that you're there all the time. And to, like you say, the good friends will just wait. 100%. Even if you just like, I try and maybe like one or two nights a week, just leave your phone in your room or whatever mm. for the whole evening. Um, because if something happens and someone really needs you, they will get a hold of you. It doesn't yeah. have to be through WhatsApp and Instagram. Um, yeah, just have a break. Yeah. And then in terms of bigger than my and like the future and what you're, what you're hoping for, what's the dream in terms of the page and what you're building? The dream... Yeah. would be so I'm obsessed with this is so niche as well I'm obsessed with sort of coffee table books oh. and I would love to have a sort of project where whether it was an exhibition or a book that's just hundreds of faces and stories um something that you can always refer back to and just realise that you're normal. And I don't know what that resource would be, wow. but it's something physical that that you can always refer to. Because I think the social media stuff is great, mm. um, but it's it's not timeless. You have to constantly, you know, be on top of it and be evolving. Yeah. Um, but I'd love, yeah, some sort of book or project um, with lots of different people and lots of different stories. Wow. Um, just need you know thousands of people thousands of pounds a photographer (laughs) you can do that though let's manifest it yeah I I would love something like that um but for for now it's just about keeping the conversation going yeah um you know we're setting up a podcast where we want to um have people on to just talk about different stories kind of in the same format as the page like Mm. you know what's going on but what's bad what's good what helps um yeah I just want it to be normal yes us to just talk about it 
like it's a normal thing because it is yeah i read this quote that was like it doesn't matter where you go in life if you hold those values instead of going into a workplace and like adhering to those values you know we've all got our own and i feel like us as advocates we do that in that we've got a mission we know what we want to do it's just how that transpires might be through the podcast it might be through the book the coffee book is happening i'm gonna put that into the universe it's gonna happen um what's the podcast called by the way so it's going to be called the 450 um, because there are 450 million people living with a mental or behavioral disorder um, and we kind of want to tell 450 million stories might be a bit too far but telling a lot of those stories through the podcast so yeah it's going to be called the 450 and it's yeah it's just going to be a chat about mental health with different people we're just trying to work out how to record how to edit it's not as easy as you think I'm sure you know oh yes definitely I in fact Connor who I chat to as well I was like how do you do this it's so monotonous like the editing and stuff like that but it when you you know when you're passionate about it I think that overtakes it but there is a lot of detail like the music and the the graphics we've been like recording the trailer the other day i was crying with laughter saying my own name it's like why am i laughing i think it's just hearing yourself back yeah i hate that it's when you listen to yourself back and you're like no i've got to do this for an hour now so just to end on this fantastic chat we've had um because we are bigger than whatever we are going through what else do you enjoy in life like what what do you like to do when you're just chilled out relaxing so i mean this isn't very chilled out but my kind of big hobby is cycling yeah Um, so road cycling been absolutely key for my mental health just having a hobby that gets me out of my head yeah um so that's been really great yeah. um that's my my sort of big hobby love food love travel which obviously i haven't done any of <laughs> fingers crossed soon oh, i know but it's weird because my my attitude to it has sort of changed i think it was in my mind before it was the further afield you go the better it's going to be um but actually in covid it's like there are amazing things an hour away two hours away you know you don't have to travel to the ends of the earth to find it so that's been quite beneficial um, and then a kind of new sort of passion of mine um has been mindfulness so i've kind of really started doing it over the past few years but now I'm training to to be a mindfulness teacher um and that's my kind of side thing that I'm gonna try and focus on um but there's there's a lot of courses you have to do and money doesn't grow on trees so it's gonna be a kind of slow process but I'm really enjoying doing that as well oh wow good you've got all sorts going on Jesse. a multi-talented entrepreneurial (laughs) thank you so much jesse been great thank you really appreciate it and i'm sure there's so many people well hopefully there's a few listening 
um, that really do relate to what you've spoken about today. And I just wanted to show people how, you know, you've you've got so much passion and, you know, you've got these values and, and mission. And it really does come across on your Instagram page. And best of luck for the podcast as well. Um, but I've really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I really appreciate you opening up because it's hard. It is hard to put your vulnerable self out there. But I'm sure there'll be people who can learn or relay. And that's what we aim to do on First Impressions. Totally. Thanks so much, Jem. It's been, it's been great to catch up. I forgot we were even being recorded. Yay. Thank you so much to Jessie. Isn't she just lovely? And I really appreciate how just super honest she was throughout. Uh, so thank you, Jessie, if you're listening. And if you enjoyed that, be sure to tune in next week for another episode of First Impressions. See you then. Bye.